abundantly blessed, yet our culture is so discontented. So, I mean, radically discontented. And if we, if we let the Holy Spirit shine a mirror in our hearts, all of us struggle with so much discontentment. But we have food. We have clothing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn to be content discontentment can sneak up on you quickly, especially this time of year. You see the ad for a shiny new something, suddenly what you own doesn't appeal as much as it did yesterday. Pastor Daniel wants to suggest a new attitude to adopt this time of year and a new focus as he shares his message today, contentment in Christ. No matter what you have or what you lack, it doesn't compare to the love and peace found in Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Philippians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Peace. Thanksgiving, gratefulness for any and all things. For most of us, the Thanksgiving piece of prayer is the one that we really need to lean into. Because talking to God, as Christians, we, we know that we do that. We like doing that. We have prayer meetings, all these things. Asking for expressions of need, that comes really naturally. But simply saying, God, even if you don't do this, you're a rock. You're the best. I mean, Lord, it's so cool that you still have time on your day planner for me and my stuff. You're the nicest person I've ever met, Lord. You're the kindest person I know, Lord. Your sense of humor is wicked funny. Thank you, God, for, for loving me, for bearing with me at Thanksgiving paces. And then let your request be made known to God. Notice, Paul's idea of being anxious for nothing is not a calling to apathy. It's not a calling to inaction. Instead, it's saying, commit your life to God and trust Him for the outcome. I like that. Because you see, be anxious for nothing. Oh, God does, doesn't want me to care. No, you should totally care. But your care should be hemmed in by the reality that God is God. So be prayer, peace is produced by prayer. Be anxious for nothing. And if you think about anxiety, it's the absence of peace. But do all this praying and notice the outcome here. I like this. In verse 7, it says this, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice that. Peace is a gift of God. Peace is a gift of God. Remember I said peace is a fruit of the Spirit? Same reality. When we pray, notice it's the peace with God. It's the peace of God. Is it our own peace? No. Is it self-generated? No. Does it well up in our own hearts naturally? No. It's God's peace that he gives as a gift. And it guards our hearts and our lives. Now, what's interesting is the Bible teaches that we have peace, the peace of God, 
We can only have that if first we have peace with God. Let me read to you Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you hear that? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to be able to have the peace of God is by first having the avenue to God, by having peace with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. So if, if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you're hearing about this peace, like, hey, I want that. I want that gift of God. I want that fruit. I want it to be produced by prayer. You cannot even begin the process until you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. It's the only, that is the starting line and the finish line right there. In order to have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you need to have be at peace with God. And that only comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only place it comes. Now, notice this peace of God. It says that it surpasses all understanding and it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace of God, it surpasses all human understanding. Now, it's interesting. You know, I, I love quotations. I'm just a, I'm like kind of a quote nerd. There's a great website called the Brainy Quotes. I think they should call it, you know, the need to be brainy quotes because you go there because you're looking for good quotes. But it's a very cool one. And it's so funny. You can read all these quotes. I grabbed a quote from Albert Einstein. You guys ever heard of him? Yeah. Okay, cool. Albert Einstein said this, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding without American philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson said the exact same thing. But you know what? Those guys are wrong. Because right here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. But it makes sense that Emerson, who believed in ultimate self-sufficiency, Einstein, who in some ways believed in the concept of a deity, but he wasn't really sure, with their very strong Western Enlightenment mindset said, all we need is understanding. Knowledge is the key to peace. No, 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 no. The most brilliant people in the world do not have any more peace than anybody else. All the learning in the world will not, you cannot think your way into peace. Why? Because the peace that we're looking for, it's God's peace and it surpasses human understanding. It is founded and sustained by the ultimate Alpha and Omega. So as much as I appreciate the sentiment, and I'm never saying that we shouldn't seek to understand things, you have to realize that the peace that you really want, that your soul longs for, that this world that is so broken is dying for, it only comes from God and it surpasses human understanding. It's bigger than what we can fathom. John MacArthur said it this way, it transcends human intellectual powers, human analysis, and human insights, and human understanding. It is superior to human scheming, human devices, and human solutions, since its source is the God whose judgments are unsearchable and whose ways 
are unfathomable. Romans 11, 33. It is experienced in a transcendent calm that lifts the believer above the most debilitating trial. Since it is supernatural work, it resists any and all human comprehension. The real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. Those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessings of his perfect peace. Wow. This is the peace that Jesus came to give. This is the peace. Not to eliminate our circumstances, although we ask God to, but that God would give us his peace in the midst of it. Now, going on from there in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This teaches us that peace can be promoted in our hearts. Peace can be promoted. Now, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul here gives us a huge list. Whatever things are lovely, praiseworthy, virtue, meditate on these things. Now, what that means is if we choose to meditate on other things, that will diminish our peace. Now, listen... Let's be honest. We all love our entertainment. You put me in front of a, an interesting psychological police show, I'm just glued to the TV. I mean, like, I could do the Criminal Minds Marathon. I mean, literally. It's like, I can watch them again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't notice that little moment. Now, I'm not trying to knock your, your, your entertainment or my own, but you know what? That does not promote peace in my heart. I like politics just like the next guy, but those political talk shows, does anyone feel calm after those? <laughs> no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I mean, you just think, the, you know, let's burn the boats. The world is on fire. I'm not knocking television. I'm not knocking political talk shows. I'm not knocking my enjoyment of crime dramas. None of those things. But if we meditate on those things longer than we meditate on the things that are pure, lovely, true, praiseworthy. We shouldn't have to look far as to why we have no peace. Because if we are, that idea of meditation means to drill down deep into. That's what that word means. If everything that we drill down deep into is hysterical, spastic, freaking out, we should just be like, yeah, I'm free. I put garbage in, I got garbage out. That's the way it goes. And so, listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the things that you enjoy. Not, I'm not the thought police. All I'm saying is, let's take Paul's words to heart, that peace can be promoted. And we need to make sure that the things we drill down deep in, in our own time, that they're true. The things that are just, that are pure, that are lovely. I like that. Winsome. Things that are winsome. Things that are of a good report. Virtue praiseworthy. If we meditate, soak, drill down deep into those things, peace will be promoted in our own hearts. 
But we live in a culture that sells fear, that sells terror. And we wonder why we're so jarred, that we lack any sort of personal peace. And you know, I even ask myself some days, you, you know, I watch one of these shows and, you know, all the reruns are on from like nine o'clock to midnight, you know. You know, I wonder after I watch like four episodes looking for the unknown suspect, if every time I look at someone, I'm like, what are they up to? You know, like, I don't want to promote criminal minds at all, but it's all that profiling stuff. So it's like, I'm like, me with my psychology background, you don't want to walk close to me at that moment because I'm psychoanalyzing everybody. <laughs> you wear those shoes because of... It's not promoting peace, though, is it? It's not promoting love towards my, to God or my fellow person. It's not promoting servanthood. Isaiah said it this way, Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I like that. You will keep him in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it's shalom, shalom. In Hebrew, when you put the same word twice, it gives it extra force and focus. It's a great translation of the New King James. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Brothers and sisters, if we let our hearts and minds be consumed with God, peace will be there. Because no matter what happens, say, God, I know you got something going on here. What are you doing, Lord? What's happening right now? Not only that, look at verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice these four verbs in two pairs. Learned and received, heard and saw. This teaches us that peace is discipled. It is discipled. What Paul is saying, in effect, the things that you learned and received, these are the things that I instructed you, and the things here that you heard and saw in me, that depicts their personal observation of the Apostle Paul's life. The things they learned from him and the things that they saw in his life. Peace is discipled. And what that means is we believe that everybody should have somebody who is pouring into their lives. A believer who's farther along on the path. Why? Because the things of peace, it's learned. That's what disciples are. They're learners. And the ways of peace are learned. The Apostle Paul said, look, you've seen, you've seen this. And look, when you do that, the God of peace will be with you. Say, look, if you follow me as I'm following Jesus, the God of peace who is Jesus, who is in me, will be with you also. And so let's never forget, brothers and sisters, we are all in process. There's not a completed, finished work of art here right now. We're all growing. And we all have things we can learn. So let's be simple and teachable and say, God, I want to learn. I want to grow. I like the Apostle Paul's ministry is characterized by showing and telling. The Apostle Paul played show and tell all the time, just like a little kid. Let me show you what it means to follow Jesus and let me tell you about it. And brothers and sisters, as a church, going into this new year, we are committed to that as a ministry. Showing and telling. Not one at the expense of the other. We don't want to be all show, no tell. Or all tell, no show. 
We like that kid's game. We're, we're like children entering the kingdom of heaven saying, God, we want to play show and tell all the time. We want to show people the love of God and we want to tell them about it. Together. Married together. But peace is discipled. The apostle Paul modeled it and taught them about it. And we need to do that for each other. Now going on to verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Notice, peacemaking is an action. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. See, the church in Philippi wanted to bless the Apostle Paul. And that act of peacemaking, it's an action. They actually did something. And it says, look, it's not that you didn't want to before, you just lacked the opportunity, but then you did it. Brothers and sisters, true peacemaking is an action. Jesus said it, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And that includes you daughters in there too. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be children of God. Brothers and sisters, in the coming days, weeks, months, years, let's act out peacemaking. Let's just not talk about it. Let's say, look, how can I be a peacemaker in this situation? What can I do to help somebody? What can I do? And I love this about the Lord, because the Lord did not wait for us to inaugurate peace. He was proactive not reactive. And as followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you, be proactive in peacemaking. Seek out avenues for justice and peacemaking. Say, God, when something goes on, say, Lord, is this a moment? And just step out. Because peacemaking is an action. It's not something that happens to us. It's something that we step into. Now look at verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Brothers and sisters, peace is a quality of the heart. Peace is a quality of the heart. Paul says here that he learned in whatever state he is to be content. Content means to be independent of external circumstances. And he goes on, he's like, look, I know how, I knew how to abound and to be abased. I knew how to be in plenty and in nothing. I know how to be hungry and to be full. See, most of our peace is circumstance driven, isn't it? When, when our circumstances are favorable, we're at peace. But when they are disfavorable, if that's even a word, I think I may have made that up. If they're not favorable or disfavorable, then we lack peace. But contentedness is an independence from either place. It's a quality of the heart. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. 
If there was ever a more fitting word for the week before Christmas in 21st century America, it's that. We are so abundantly blessed, yet our culture is so discontented. So, I mean, radically discontented. I'm, if we, if we let the Holy Spirit shine a mirror in our hearts, all of us struggle with so much discontentment. But we have food. We have clothing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn to be content. We need to say, God, I want to live a life that my peace is not circumstance driven, but my peace comes from you. Lord, that high up, low down, in plenty or in lack, neither one of those impact the reality that you are God. You are the God of peace. You are with me. Jesus redeemed me. Peace is a quality of the heart. Paul learned that. I hate learning tough lessons. But oftentimes it's only on the cloudy days that we really grow, isn't it? I would love to grow the most on the sunny days. That'd be so nice, and I'd have a great tan. But we grow the most in the tough times, in the times that we are discontented. That's where the growth happens. And I believe God wants to teach us this learned contentment. Then finally, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's one of my favorite verses, one of my kids' first memory verses. There's nothing like little Maranatha Fusco screaming at the top of her lungs, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have a microphone on, so I'm not going to do it for you the way she would really do it. Brothers and sisters, peace comes from knowing Jesus. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now listen to this. For without me, you can do nothing. Brothers, sisters, I'm wrapping this up here. Listen to me. Listen. Jesus said without him, you can do nothing. Yes, you may do things, but ultimately it has no value eternally. Your life is not weighed on how much you accomplish in our success-driven world in this lifetime. But it's about eternity. It's a much longer view than whatever your career view is. Without him, you can do nothing. But then Paul says here, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you have an option. Without him, you can do nothing. Or you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. Peace comes from knowing Jesus. Jesus is real. You can't do anything of value for the kingdom without Jesus. Pastor Daniel wanted you to know this today. Your strength, joy, contentment, and peace all come from knowing and relying on your Savior. Jesus is everything wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know him and he wants to give you what you need. Spend time getting to know Jesus this holiday season. You won't be disappointed. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. 
Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Peace is something you long for, but it's never found in the world. You can find temporary calm, but it won't last. You can't manufacture it. That's what Pastor Daniel has been telling you in these messages. Nothing here will work, but something from heaven will. Jesus will. Every time. The tiny baby you celebrate at Christmas became a man who died for you and rose again, creating the opportunity for you to know lasting peace. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And please join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.